I, I noticed something when I was seated down there. If you look carefully at the arch, <laughs> the purple invades. <laughs> Mark, you, you said that the Eagles were going to win. They will. <laughs> Take it well. Nobody's going to beat New England, so. <laughs> well, the next couple of weeks, we're going to be preparing, and well, we really have been, but specifically preparing for the sacred assembly. We are now in our 20th day of fasting and prayer, and uh, Thanks to the prayer team for planning Friday night's prayer vigil and for all who attended. There was a great group. We're on a countdown halfway, 21 days, to our sacred assembly where we will formally repent of our corporate sin, confess the failures of our church, and return anew to God and his purposes. In a nutshell, that's what our intention is for that evening on February 11th. Joel 1:14 says, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord to help each of us prepare for that sacred assembly. Once again, I want to direct our attention to Hebrews 12. Uh, every week we've been looking at this, but I think it's important until we really understand what's asked of the writer of Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us individually and corporately and I, my submission of individually and corporately, because it involves both, strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And the last two Sundays, we've examined some of the weights and some of the sins that interfere with reaching the finish line strong. We examine first our attitudes and actions, anger, bitterness, not submitting, selfish ambition, pride, malice, divisiveness, stubbornness, unforgiving, unreconciling, sexual impurity, misuse of authority. And last week we examined our heart and our speech, gossip, grumbling and complaining, falsehood, slander, worthless talk, reckless words, backbiting, judging motives, following people, not God, fear, doubt. And we saw that the scriptures <clears throat> exhorted us in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, 
to examine ourselves, and again, I insert individually and corporately, to see if our faith is genuine, test ourselves. And whereas a sacred assembly by nature is a corporate confession of sin, there are personal preparations that need to be made, i.e. fasting and prayer, personal confession of sin, offering forgiveness leading to reconciliation between brothers and sisters in Christ. In short, spiritual examination. And our key verse this morning is found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 to, and 24. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. The Life Application Bible note says, broken relationships can hinder our relationship with God. If we have a problem or grievance with a friend, we should resolve the problem as soon as possible. We are hypocrites if we claim to love God while we hate others. Our attitudes toward others reflect our relationship with God. 1 John 4, if someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. Love used in this text, I think most of you uh, would realize, is the Greek word agape. And agape is a totally sacrificial love. The secret of agape love is not what I can get, but what can I give? It is used to describe that deep and tender love which a parent has for his or her child, the kind of love that God has for us. The Amplified Bible says the one who loves God should unselfishly love his brother and seek the best for him. Back to our text. You're going to hear this two or three times this morning. If you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. In his book, The Peacemaker, Ken Sandy outlines what he calls the peacemaker's pledge, a commitment to biblical conflict resolution. And I want to walk you, with the time we have remaining, I want to walk you through that pledge. I think you'll find it helpful. He says, as people reconciled to God by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we believe that we are called to respond to conflict 
in a way that is remarkably different from the way the world deals with conflict. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. We also believe that conflict provides opportunities to glorify God, serve other people, and grow to be like Christ. Therefore, in response to God's love and in reliance on his grace, we commit ourselves to responding to conflict according to the, principle, to the following principles. James 1, 2-4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For where you're in, when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And then he outlines these principles, simple principles that you can take notes on and uh, hopefully it'll be helpful. First is glorify God. Glorify God. Instead of focusing on our own desires, or dwelling on what others may do, we will rejoice in the Lord and bring him praise by depending on his forgiveness, his wisdom, power, and love as we seek to faithfully obey his commands and maintain a loving, merciful, and forgiving attitude. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. It's a very concise, in-your-face statement. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Philippians 4, 4-9, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. So don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. The second principle, glorify God, number one. Second, get the log out of my eye. You know the parable. Instead of blaming others for a conflict or resisting correction, we will trust in God's mercy and take responsibility for our own contribution to conflicts, confessing our sins to those we have wronged, asking God to help us change any attitudes and habits that have led to conflict, and seeking to repair any harm that we have caused, to personalize it, any harm that I have caused. Matthew 7, verses 3 and 5, 
And why worry about a speck in your friend's eyes when you have, I love it, when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye and when you won't see past the log in your own eye? And <laughs> the writer says, Jesus says, hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with a speck in your friend's eyes. I think a lot of logs here this morning. I've got one. Proverbs 28, 13, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. 1 John 1, 8 and 9, a familiar passage of scripture. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is what? Faithful and just to do what? Forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. The next principle, gently restore. Instead of pretending that conflict doesn't exist or talking about others behind their back, we will overlook minor offenses and we will talk personally and graciously with those whose offenses seem too serious to overlook, seeking to restore them rather than condemn them. When a conflict with a Christian brother or sister cannot be resolved in private, we will ask others in the body of Christ to help us settle the matter in a biblical manner. One of the items that was brought out in ABF this morning that was generated from the study by the transition team is that we've not done well in handling conflict. Um, it's something that needs to improve. Matthew 18, I think if there was one verse that anybody would turn to in the area of conflict, it would be Matthew 18. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again, so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then he or she won't accept the church's decision. Treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. I tell you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this, if two, or uh, if, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Galatians chapter 6. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful. 
Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Another principle, go and be reconciled. The handout that you receive this week and the handout that you will receive next week are really designed to help you in the process of going and being reconciled and preparing for that. Instead of accepting premature compromises or allowing relationships to wither, we will actively pursue genuine peace and reconciliation, forgiving others as God for Christ's sake has forgiven us, and seeking just and mutually beneficial solutions to our differences. Again, a look at that main text would be helpful. Matthew 5. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Matthew 6, verse 12. And forgive us our sins. We're good at that. Oh, we, we in our prayer. God, forgive me for my sins. But the rest of the verse, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. I wonder if God forgave us like we forgive each other, we might be in a peck of problems. Matthew 7, 12, do to others whatever you'd like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. It's a classic verse. I mean, this is basic stuff. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. We used to say it in the youth group, and do it first and real good so they couldn't get you back. That's, that's contrary to the text here. But this is the essence, the basis, the, 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 the bottom line of all that's taught in the Law and the Prophets. Ephesians 4, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God, and always, not sometimes, always, always, be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Do you catch that? Make every effort. Go the extra mile. Sacrifice, because you, you, you have agape love and it's sacrificial love, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. We're talking about community this morning and ABF. I'm thinking, wow. Um, making one of the essentials is binding yourselves together with peace, the mortar. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. By God's grace, we will apply these principles as a matter of stewardship realizing that conflict is an opportunity, not an accident.
we will remember that success in God's eyes is not a matter of specific results, but of faithful and dependent obedience. And we will pray that our service as peacemakers will bring praise to our Lord and lead others to know his infinite love. Let me close this morning before we turn it over to the prayer team. John 13, 34, and 35. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another, and when we talk about outreach for this church, here's a key verse. Your love for one another, brothers and sisters here in the church, will prove to the people, the world outside this church, that you're my disciples. We want to be effective in our outreach as a church. It starts with our love for one another. Romans 12, 18, do all you can to live in peace with everyone. If I was a teacher and you were the class and I was at the end and when I wanted to give you an assignment, that would be my assignment. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Good morning, everyone. My name is Scott McClellan. On behalf of the uh, prayer ministry team, I would like to introduce this week's prayer focus for your individual prayer, but also for our corporate and community prayer. In your bulletin is this form here for your instruction throughout the week. <clears throat> uh, it is on the theme of petitioning. In the past, uh, past several weeks, we've um, looked at last week, we looked at purification. And prior to that, we looked at seeking God's face. Petitioning. What is a petition? We have prayers of thanksgiving, a prayer of petition. It is a request to God. It could be about a person, an issue, something that you're concerned about that you would like to give over to the Lord. It's very intentional, it's very specific. In prayer, he has promised to act only when we pray. So if we're not praying, will he be acting? He has promised to do things for us that we cannot, we cannot do ourselves. He knows what we need ahead of time, which is kind of strange because we have not, because we have not asked, and he knows we need. So I relate that to myself. I'm stubborn. I can handle it myself. I'll try every means before I finally get on my knees because I have no other alternative. 
We might think that um, he knows our needs, so why ask? So we don't request of him. We don't petition him. Today, this week, we'll be petitioning God together, our Heavenly Father, with three, three words. But before we look at these three words, do you realize we are all strategically placed here for a purpose in this time at Grace Chapel? The God that knows the hair on my head, the God that knew me in my mother's womb, the God that initiated an interest in him before I even thought of him or cared for him. That's what God's word says. So your purpose here today has been preordained. You're here for a reason. At this specific time at Grace Chapel, so you may be a member here for years and decades. You may be a new member recently. You might be a um, faithful attender. Or you might be here for the first time. But God has a purpose for you. And God would love to reveal that to you. So it's one of those things in our lives that we don't ask God. Do you know your purpose here? I think we all know a purpose at home as a dad, a father, mother, son. We know a purpose at work. We know a purpose in the community. But what is our purpose here at Grace Chapel? I would like to petition God to reveal our purpose. Now here it gets a little awkward. So if you hear some knees knocking, it's mine first. But I would like to hear your knees knocking also. Um, I would like you all to stand if you're able to stand before the Lord now. These three words here, they're you just words right now until there's action behind them. So know a purpose available. Once God reveals your purpose, you have to make yourself available. It's either yes or no. If it's wait, it's no. If it's yes, then it leads into surrendering. Now, surrender is not a word we use much. It's a very humbling word. I think right away of, in war, uh, one side surrenders to the other, waves the white flag, and their whole plans are gone. Well, God has purchased each one of us if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. You are not your own. We need to surrender. We need to surrender every day, every hour. And that's the struggle that our own sinfulness faces. Satan and the evil one's not involved in the surrender. It's a surrender from our own sinfulness. What I want to do, what you want to do, what you think is right. So could we join hands, grab a shoulder, rabbit arm so that we can physically be together. And as we spiritually lift up these words to God.
I would like to leave us in prayer. Would you bow your heads? As we petition these three words, Father, we request your direction, intentionally and specific. Father God, in your presence, in the name of Jesus, we specifically request you to reveal our purpose here at Grace Chapel. May you say aloud, Father, show me my purpose. Holy Spirit, you know that if it is from our heart, you will answer this. We trust that you will reveal to each of us what is our purpose here. If not immediately in the near future, Father. Father, we lift up the word available. Are, are we available? Am I available? Would you please voice, I am available, Lord. Father, you've heard that. Again, if it's coming from our heart and it's just not words, it will be actions. Lord Jesus, you surrendered all. You are a mighty example of what surrender looks like. Father, prick our hearts. Forgive us for our stubbornness. Do you surrender? Will you surrender? Will you voice the word surrender to Jesus? Father, we ask you to make us alert and awake and attentive in your thoughts and in your ways. That you will be, that we will be not easily deceived by the enemy. We ask you to new, renew our strength so that we can wait patiently upon you. May our eyes, may our ears be open that we might see and hear, understand, and know that we can walk in obedience to your commands. Thank you, Father, for the privilege of prayer. Thank you in the name of Jesus. And we all agreed in the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. If you have any questions, you have any comments, if you would like to pray with one, if you would like to be prayed for, if you would like to encourage one another, if you've been apprehensive about fasting and prayer, we would love to meet with you over here to the right after the service. It's an awkward moment, but you would have to make yourself available. Thank you for your time. May God be praised through what has been said. Thank you.